Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Further ado, please help me welcome on Don Dickerman. Don, how are you doing tonight? Isaiah, bless you, brother. I'm doing well. Uh, here in Texas, and uh, I, it blesses me to hear the the different places that people are are watching right now. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and yet at the same time, uh, th- there's a lot more that needs to be done, and uh, especially uh, in in the churches where the message is virtually never preached or talked about. Um, that's one one of my great concerns is why pastors uh, omit this message. Do you, you know uh, in in the, what we call the Great Commission, uh, where Jesus, uh, the Bible says, uh, and it's very clear, said so these signs will mm. follow them that believe. And the first thing he said was, in my name they shall cast out demons. That was the first thing he said. Second thing he said was, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Third thing had to do with tongues and gifts. And, but for some reason, the church has skipped right past yep. the first two things and said, we want the gifts. We want people to see how spiritual we are. Um, but nobody's casting out demons and nobody's laying hands on the sick. And that's, that, that has troubled me for um, at least 25 years. Wow. And um, you're, you're what you're doing now, Isaiah is a blessing to me. Uh, The technology kind of passed me by. uh, (laughs) I think in 1995, I'm a windows 95 guy, you know, there you go. uh, I, I like the the fact that we can reach so many people with the simple message yes. of deliverance. And it is simple. Uh, you know, uh, and by the way, I've got this in front of me. That's the book you're talking yes, about. Yes, when pigs move in, everyone needs to get that book. Yeah. Uh, I want to share something else before we get into Yeah, yeah. Over the years, when God called me, to do deliverance, uh, I think he tricked me. I know he did. It was a trick. Um, but I, I was preaching in a women's prison in uh, Kingston, Ontario, Canada. My wife was with me, a couple other ladies. And I, I, the Kingston, the like prison capital of Canada, I think there's 10 prisons there. Well, I was in the in the women's prison this particular time, and after the service at the altar call, one of the ladies came up to me and pointed her finger. You're the one. Wow. She said, you're the one. Uh, I didn't know what she meant. But she said, you're supposed to take me through deliverance. And she began to tell me about her satanic upbringing 
how she was part of the Brotherhood cult and was being groomed to be uh, the bride of Lucifer, wow. telling me things that I'd never really heard before, and I had never done a deliverance. But recently, prior to that, I had met a man in Michigan who had been doing deliverance for like 40 years, wow. a good friend who, who just died recently, uh, Bruce Jenkins. And uh, I, I met met him while I was in uh, a, a, a Michigan prison. So I told this lady, I said, I know a man in Michigan. He does deliverance. Uh, we'll try to make arrangements with the prison. Come here and take you through deliverance. Well, that's not easy to do uh, to get a prison to uh, set, you know, set aside a room and so on. But they did. So what happened is I get there and Bruce Jenkins didn't show up. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I'm there. The lady's ready to go through deliverance. And uh, she, she was in prison for uh, assaulting children, hurting children. Wow. At any rate, uh, they got this private room for us and we're in the room and I'm thinking, it's just me and Jesus. Come on. And uh, that's, that seemed to be enough. So she's sitting across from me and she lowered her, her head. Her eyes looked so evil at me. She said, you don't know what you're doing. We'll kill you. Wow. Uh, well, they're always threatening, you know. Yeah. Things they, they would like to do but can't do. Well, I, I began to just cast out demons the way I understood you're supposed to do it in the name of Jesus. And this is your first All, deliverance ever right here. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Wow. Well, and before long, she's given me names of demons and they're coming out and then she's dancing around the room and hallelujah. Well, I walked out of the prison that day. I had my Bible above my head, and I said, yes, in the name of Jesus, yes. Well, I didn't know, obviously, what I know now, but came back to Texas and began to recognize in believers uh, that they had demons. Yes. And... Uh, it, it troubled me in, in several ways because you, the question you know you get all the time is how can a Christian have yes. demons, that kind of thing. Um, well, the obvious answer to that is how can they have a cold? How can they get That's sick? Good. How can they have a bad thought? You know, uh, you can have anything you want, you want as a believer. Mm. And if what we see virtually always the, the number one uh, doorway in a person's life is generally always ancestry. Mm. Well, okay, so I'm I'm dealing with people and I'm taking notes as I take them through deliverance, and uh, became very clear to me that casting a demon out by using a function was was not successful. Mm. Spirit of fear to go, that type of thing. There are millions of spirits of fear. 
So one day I came out in my office and I just had a stack of notes from people that had been through deliverance and I'm looking through them. I'm saying, God, what do I do with these now? Do you know, throw them, trash them? What do I do? Uh, I felt like you said, catalog them. Wow. So I started doing that. Here's one that starts with an A and this is what he did. And this is how he got in. And now, I don't know if you can see this, but now I have wow. a hundred thousand names of demons wow and their function what they do and uh this, of course it's not all of them we we run into to new ones all the time but here's what i found out i was at. when god created holy angels he gave them all names mm. all names every angel every star has a name when those names were given, they were indicative of what they were created to do. Wow. Your wow. name, for instance, your name is Lucifer. That means light bearer. Uh, but when Satan rebelled against God, he's now the prince of darkness. Mm. So begin to see that whatever the angels were created to do, that function they still have, but they're doing the opposite. That's instead good. of ministering, instead of ministering for believers, they're warring against believers. Uh, still, still in a in opposition to God. So, I, I found out this becomes like almost like a courtroom, mm. and I have found that as a deliverance ministry, I'm the attorney. Wow! Come on. I'm representing the candidate, but I'm prosecuting the demon. And it's all becomes a truth encounter, never a power encounter. Mm. If it's about power, God versus a little demon, I mean, ne never is it a power encounter. It's always truth. Wow. So we, we I have found out that demons won't lie to Jehovah God. They would lie to me and you all day, but they won't lie to Jehovah God. So we, in this courtroom type setting, and I'm not talking about like some books that have been written about the courtrooms of heaven. I'm talking about demons must have legal rights to That's an individual. Good. So this is all about canceling their legal rights, canceling permissions, their permissions generally are from the ancestry. And it could, nobody knows. Everybody has an ancestry, but nobody knows about it. Uh, I've, I've been running into, in this line of, of uh, count, uh, not counseling, but casting out, commanding demons, how long have you been in this family? Mm. When, when did you come into this family? How did you get in? So you, you find that out. Sometimes I had uh, just recently had a demon respond with, I've always been here. I said, no, you haven't always been there. You would have been in the garden. He said, I was. Wow. Well, wow. of course they were. 
Uh, I said, so then you would have had to have been passed through Shem, Ham, or Jacobs. Immediately said, Ham, I've always been here. Wow. So I, run wow. In, I run into stuff like that, and the demon says, nobody ever told me to go. That's it. Well, we're telling you now. You know, this. if you don't have permission, you're going to have to leave. If you do have permission, you have to tell me what it is. What legal right do you have to stay there? So sometimes it's unforgiveness or sometimes it's incest. Sometimes it's, there was war, there was murder. There, it could be anything in the ancestry. And so the thing is, is well, do you have permission to stay in this person's life? You're there, so you had permission to get there. But do you have legal rights to stay there? Mm. It's a yes or no. And that's pretty simple. So what we find is there's a handful of demons that are virtually in everybody's life. Wow. Uh, the king of fear. The, the book of Revelation says the demon power Apollyon is the king of the bottomless pit. He's the number one fear spirit that we've encountered. And he's in just about everybody's life. What the situation is, it's not just fear. It's everything that's fear-based. Stress, hopelessness, depression, wow. uh, insecurity. Everything that's fear-based, he has something to do with it. He always, and this is interesting, he always manifests as a scorpion. Wow, that's so Not good. Always a scorpion. So I'm encountering scorpion spirits in the realm of fear through the years. And they would all, I would command, what's your rank in this person's life? Where do you rank? Um, they would give me responses like, uh, I'm captain, I'm lieutenant, I'm sergeant. I'm like, what is, what is this military structure? Apollyon's military, he doesn't organize as a kingdom. It's always a military. Mm. So I would encounter a demon that says he's like a general. I said, well, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to your commander in chief. Who runs this army? Who's the head of this military? Well, it's always Apollyon. So it's like going into a corporation and asking to speak to the president. You're going to talk to 40 people before you talk to the president. But if you know who the president is, he said, well, you're going to take the whole, whole company with you. And, and they do. There, there's another demon that's virtually in everybody's life. And he's a confusion spirit. Doubt. Unbelief. Disbelief. Skepticism. And he manifests as an octopus. Always an octopus. That sits right on top of the head with tentacles going into the mind. Uh, I know his name. I'm not. I'm not going to say it right now, but uh, I encounter him all the time. He's a blocker. 
he blocks truth and twists truth. So you you find him in almost everybody's life. Then in the area of witchcraft and fraternal organizations, you find a particular demon. And the ancestry is just full of fraternal organizations, oaths and vows and pledges and open doors. Uh, a demon power named Mahabon is always leading that congregation of demons. Well, when you, when you know these things by experience, and I'm talking about uh, dealing with it for 25 years, you see it consistently true. Uh, well, then he has with him uh, virtually always a, a lust kingdom. And in that kingdom is a demon named Molech. He's a baby killer. And he's he gets his babies still. Like in the Old Testament, they were brought to him and sacrificed. But now he's getting them through abortion. Uh, but he's still getting them. And he's virtually always located in the ovaries. I mean, I see this over and over and over time and again. So what we command that particular demon, and it's usually there by abortion, permission of abortion, maybe in the ancestry or sexual immorality. Uh, but what we command him is, have you done any damage, any physical damage the reproductive system it's always yes that's what I do can you repair it can you put it back in order you messed it up you know uh, many times they can and they do and we see people healed uh, there was a, a pastor a, a good friend now in uh, Oregon and he He's got almost your testimony. Uh, he said he, somebody put the book on his desk. He pushed it aside, said he came back the next day, and it was back in the same spot. He said, somebody, somebody wanted me to read that book. Well, he said, it's changed my life. He said, I want you to come to my church and bring six or eight people with you, stay a week, and train our, our staff. I said, well, that's, that's going to be pretty expensive. Uh, he said, right now we have the money and we want to do it. So I said, well, I can't stay the week, but we'll send people and I'll come on the weekend and do the services. So we did that. We sent seven people and they were there all week. I arrived on Friday. He picks me up at the airport and, uh, just in conversation, he says, uh, before I forget it, my wife and I are going to have to leave early Sunday night before the service is over. And I just want you to know about it. And then we get in the car, going to the motel. And he says, uh, tell me how this seminar is going to work. What, what are you going to do Saturday afternoon? I said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do a mock deliverance. We'll have a couple of chairs on the platform and one of our team members will be the candidate. We'll just go through the 
motions of how it works. That's so good. He said, well, do it on me. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, Jim, if there's something there, it's going to manifest. He said, good, let's get rid of those suckers. Wow. So, And this is the pastor. Yeah, it's pastor. uh, uh, Well, I I, I won't say it, but uh, a pretty good sized church. So we're Saturday afternoon. We have two chairs on the platform. I'm seated in one. He sits in the other one. It's just a typical deliverance setting. And uh, I start, I told him, I said, I'm going to bind demons. uh, And then I'm going to command them to give me their name. Mm. Uh, That's what Jesus did. So who are you? Anyway, uh, so he's sitting there in front of 600 people. There's there's, uh, video cameras, you know, and. So I began to bind demons and I commanded the highest ranking demon associated with him to identify himself. Well, he popped his head up and he said, could Marcus be the name of a demon? I said, yeah, he is. And I know him and he knows me. So uh, at any rate, that the particular demon is an incubus lust spirit i've encountered him hundreds hundreds of times and he's generally located in the growing area Mm. well he had some rectal bleeding that was his problem wow and i'm and i'm thinking well maybe he's responsible so i've commanded this demon do you have anything to do with the bleeding problem he said yes i do so when did you come into his life? Age 12. Now think about this. Wow. wow. So he gives me a couple other names and I said, well, can you repair your damage? He said, I don't want to. I said, that's not, that's not the issue. In the name of Jesus, if you messed it up, you're going to fix it. You're going to put it back in order. He said, with the help of some holy angels, I could do that. I said, they'll help you. So at any rate, he said, after everybody had left, gone, the church was empty. He said, bring your team back to my office. I want to tell you all something. So we're back in there. He says, I know exactly when that demon came in. And I was 12 years old. Said my dad's pastor. My granddad's a pastor. He said, I grew up in church. And he said, we would, as kids, we would go out behind the church after a service and we'd just play, you know. And he said, there was a stream that ran behind this church building, just a trickle over some rocks. And he said, we're back there playing one day and there's a Playboy magazine open, laying on top of some of those rocks. He said, we all knew not to look, you know, we, but said we did look. And then he said, we would go back after the next service. And said we eventually turned the pages with the stick. We knew to stay away from it. He said, Don, I was 12 years old. That's when that demon got access to my life. 
think about it. Who hasn't had an experience like that? Some open door that they weren't looking for problems, they weren't necessarily committing uh, a willful sin. They were exposed to something. And so through that, the demon had come in. Well, the next day, Sunday, Sunday night, was he had told me they were going to have to leave early. So I see them leave, and then the next morning, we're coming back to Texas. We're on a flight. We're actually in San Francisco on a layover, and the phone rings, and it's his wife. And she said, we just left the doctor's office. They can't find anything. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that Incredible. Was, well, absolutely it is. But... It's and and he still will give you that testimony. Uh, it it's it's gone. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm. In my name, they will cast out demons, and they'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Uh, so we see that happen all the time. And uh, I'm sitting I'm sitting in in the office where where we do this. We have. We have hundreds of people waiting for deliverance. Well, what we want, Isaiah, is what you're doing. We want people who go through deliverance to take it back to yes. where they live and start doing it. And it's not that difficult. There's a, I, I call it, there's just four principles to deliverance. Never, it's never any more than this. It's just four principles. And that, the first principle is you either have demons or you don't. That's good. That's, that's a given. But the second principle is if you do have demons, it must be that there's some kind of permission. It can't, they can't just say, hey, let's go get Isaiah. Yeah. It's got to be a doorway. So third principle is there's not any permission that cannot be canceled in the name of Jesus. Not any. So, some, some of my friends are on death row. Uh, Ted Bundy was on death row. Uh, I ministered to these people. Uh, David Berkowitz uh, will never get out of prison, but he's saved. He's, he's delivered, you know. And these are serial killers you're ministering to in the prisons? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, God has God has put a lot of people in my life that you, you can't just walk up to and start a conversation. Yeah, and I know that now. But through our prison ministry, uh, one one of the guys uh, we ministered to was a, a man. He's called the meanest man in Ireland. Uh, so he had several articles written about him. His name is Eddie Ferncombe. Well, David Berkowitz, so-called son of Sam, read this article, but he can't write to other inmates. So he sends me the article and he says, would you write to this man and witness to him like you did to me? I said, of course. So Eddie's in a prison like a dungeon. Um, um, meanest man in Ireland stabbed 15 people before he was 15 years old. Wow. So 
I, I'm uh, reading his letters and he says, uh, can you send me some cassette tapes? They allow me to have a tape player. Uh, well, I had a handful services we'd done in prisons and so on. I send them to him. I get a letter from him one day. He says, would you come to Ireland and take me through deliverance? <laughs> he said, I, I've been listening to these tapes. And when you talk about demons, my body gets hot. And, I stripped down to my shorts and I'm still, uh, there's something. So I know I have demons. So he said, I told my chaplain about it and he laughed at me, Catholic chaplain. So he says, will you come here and take me through deliverance? Well, I, I barely know where Ireland is, you know. <laughs> How am I going to get there? Well, after after prayer, I felt like God was saying, go. Uh, as it turned out, I, I went on a free ticket that somebody donated, sat in first class, and the whole deal. You know? But when I get there, I, I don't know anybody. I mean, not anybody in our... He had a friend who wrote to him. He said, I'll ask her to meet you at the airport uh, in Dublin. So she did. Uh, she had become uh, become a very good friend, Hillary Hughes. At any rate, uh, I get there, and she said, uh, "Would you preach in our church tomorrow morning?" I said, "Yeah, I'll do that." It was a Methodist church in Dublin. After the service, the chaplain, the pastor, said, "Would you preach for a friend of mine who pastors an Anglican church tonight?" I said, yeah, I'll do that. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know anything about any of, even where they were or anything. But Eddie's Ferncombe's mother and aunt came to that service just as a courtesy to meet me. They both got saved that night. And I say, I'm in this Anglican church with a, you know, steep ceiling and yeah. Gold covered, gold covered everything. And um, when the organ started playing, I thought Count Dracula was going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was that kind of thing. But I'm thinking, I'm in Ireland. What are they going to do? Ask me not to come back. Mm. Uh, so I just, I just did the whole load, preached the whole deliverance message, salvation message. And uh, people got saved, people got healed, delivered. So, and we get to the story now. I preached in 10 churches wow. in Ireland, not knowing one person. Mm. And uh, I don't know how many people came for deliverance. So I get to the prison to see Eddie Ferncombe. And the staff can't figure out why is this guy from Texas coming coming to visit the meanest man in Ireland. So it's a long story, but the, I finally got to, to see him and the officers walking me back to this area to meet him. Uh, he said, uh, are you like David Wilkerson? I knew what he, what he meant. You know? I said, well, you might say that. He said, well, you're welcome here, lad. Uh, 
So he walks me back to this private area. Eddie, they're bringing Eddie Ferncombe out in chains, waist chains, ankle chains, four officers escorting him. And he comes into the room and uh, we visited for a moment, actually quite a while. But I said, Eddie, you're going to have to forgive. Is there any unforgiveness in your life? He said, I can't do it. He said, I'm going to kill the man that snitched on me. They use a different word in Ireland, but I uh, said, that's what I'm going to do when I get out. I'm going to kill him. I said, Eddie, you can't do that. The same God that forgave you and you didn't deserve it. You've got to forgive him. And I can't help you if he won't forgive. He said, well, you come back tomorrow. He said, I'll, I'll do my best. So I did. Went back the next day. They're bringing Eddie out the same way. He comes in the room with this big smile on his face. He said, I did it, Brother Don. I forgave him. Sat down in front of me, went through deliverance. Before the deliverance started, there was a, a plexiglass panel right next to where we were. And an officer was seated on the other side so he could see into the room. And uh, I'm thinking, if they manifest in any way, he may think he's trying to hurt me. So I walked over to the glass and tapped on it. I said, uh, sir, I'm going to be taking him through deliverance. And before I could even finish, he said, help yourself, lad, help yourself. <laughs> uh, Eddie got free. I mean, he got free. He's out of prison now. Uh, he, he's doing well. I got got a text from him not too long ago. Uh, I think it was Happy New Year or something like that. But uh, we see these things happen. We see how big God is, mm. how powerful the name of Jesus is. And, and I found out something too, Isaiah. It's not demons are not afraid of the blood of Jesus. They don't like it, but they don't, they don't come out by the blood of Jesus. Mm. It's the name of Jesus. Wow. The blood of Jesus is for forgiveness. That's good. Uh, and it's necessary for a person to be forgiven, of course. But uh, I found that, that that name doesn't stir them. I mean, that the blood doesn't stir them. The name of Jesus, they all tremble in his name. Wow. Uh, there's, there's, just, there's so much to talk about. Uh, One thing, Don, uh, I wanted to ask you, I could, first of all, I could listen to this all day, all night. We've already had over 20,000 comments come in of people saying they're just getting rocked and challenged and encouraged. I wanted to also talk to you. There's so much we could talk about. I, mean, I could listen for hours of this. I love it. Is a territorial warfare. I wanted to say one thing I'm seeing in the churches, which is alarming, is pastors and leaders are actually teaching people to leave their body, which is astral projection, which is demonic, right? It's a new age concept. And to go into the second heaven and to fight territorial spirits, to go against principalities, to go against uh, thrones and dominions. And uh, I wanted you to touch on that. You have an incredible teaching on this of the dangers of going into the second heaven. Oh. So would you talk about what is our role when it comes to heavenly warfare, second heaven warfare, principalities, powers? I've always taught 
brought, you know, we are just called to cast demons out of people. That's how you people. weaken the, the demonic structures. You don't try to go up in the second heaven. I had an encounter about a year after getting saved, maybe two years after, where the Holy Spirit took me, or the Lord took me out of my body, showed me the second heaven, then brought me back to my body. And I was terrified. I didn't ever want to go there. I said, Lord, I no. don't, what, what was that? I didn't know what it was. And and the Lord said, that's where the war is taking place. That's the, the heavenly realm where the battle is going. But I will say in 11 years, God has never told me to go there. God has never no. told me to pray against a principality. God has never told me to go in front of, you know, a strip club or a casino and start binding things. So if you Absolutely. wouldn't mind talking to us about that and then maybe a testimony or two of, you know, maybe someone that did that. And so what were the repercussions of that? Oh, we, we see it all the time, uh, Isaiah, and it, it, it is dangerous. Uh, when, when Jesus sent the disciples out, they were absolute rookies. They, yes. they, didn't, they didn't know. Uh, I have a lot of people say, well, I don't think I'm qualified to do this yet. You'll never feel qualified, but you want to do two deliverances until you do one. Yeah, so... Anyway, they were rookies, but he sent them equipped and he sent them to people. He never, he never sent them to do territorial warfare. As a matter of fact, he said about that, he said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, not praying against the territorial prince of Jerusalem. So we pray for the angels to do battle in our behalf but never pick a fight with the demon. You always lose. Uh, it's out of our realm of authority. And uh, I, I just, I want to tell you uh, this, and it's probably going to open up some, some other questions, but uh, I was dealing with a, a lady one day, many years ago, and this demon wouldn't leave. And that, that aggravated me, you know. He said, I, I, I don't have to go. Well, I'm like, yes, you do. He said, can't you feel me? I could. I was getting dizzy from his presence. I said, yes, I can feel you. Who are you? He said, I'm the prince of Texas. And you can't cast me out. You can make me leave but you can't take me out of circulation. So I'm like, I know his name. I, I'm not going to say his name, but I've encountered him many, many times. Under him, it's like a sophisticated government of the lieutenant governor of Texas. The, it goes all the way down to the house a person lives in. Uh, the city they live in, territorial spirits over cities. Well, those demons have earned their rights to those places by what goes on in those communities. And the people who live there have given them authority. So for me to venture there and say, well, okay, I bind the Prince of Texas. You, you got to go. It's like, do you understand how this works? Uh, if I was in this person, you could make me leave, but you can't take me out of circulation. So I, I, we have a list of, of uh, 
territorial spirits that we've encountered from all over the country. Uh, territorial spirits, I know the territorial spirit over Colleyville, Texas, where I am right now, have encountered him many times. Uh, and I don't fight with them. I just say, you, you can't come here. You have no rights to my life and you, I can, I can make them leave, but until they get inside, I can't take them out of circulation. It's like two levels. The, the way I see this, the heavenly realm is always looking. They're always looking for an open door. Once you give them an open door, they put a part of themselves in you like a seed or a, a spirit, and they control that spirit. That spirit does what the territorial spirit does. So it's like having a baby Beelzebub in somebody, but Beelzebub himself is in the heavenly realm. So when, so when we cast them out, it weakens the kingdom. It it makes them a little bit shorthanded, but he's still up there looking. And just what you said, if we could see, we, we would not even think about venturing there. An interesting story is uh, people said, well, we can stop storms. And no, you can't. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, God's probably number one preacher. Uh, on his journey to Rome, there was a storm coming, even named Eurycliden. But rather than stopping that storm, Paul said, we need to take shelter and pray. Uh, now, if, if we had that authority to just stop a storm, we'd be doing stuff that would, would unravel everything, probably. Yeah. But we don't. I know the storm stopper, but it's not Don Dickerman. Come on. Uh, you know, and so I think a lot of people get in trouble. For instance, we had a lady came one day. Oh, we hear this all the time, Isaiah. Well, I, I drove by a psychic's office today, and I bound that spirit. I said, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're being taught this in the churches. Uh, well, we need to stop all this stuff going on. And so I said, "Well, you can't do that." She said, "Oh, yes, I can. I have all authority in the name of Jesus." Well, that's a that's kind of a stretch, you know. It's like, well, yeah. why don't you just fix the world? Yeah. Well, you're at it. Um, but so. Another woman came, same, same type thing. We've been marching around this uh, strip joint. We're going to shut it down in the name of Jesus. Uh, that's, you know, same thing. You can't, you can't do that. You don't have authority there. And so she comes back maybe in six weeks. And she said, you know, you're right. She said, my husband is now addicted to pornography. Wow. And it's, it's ruined our family. Well, a lot, a lot of times we get in trouble, not with demons ourselves, but with people we know. 
where demons are active and have permissions. And, and the demons use those people to, to cause the problems. Uh, and I always tell people being demon free doesn't make you problem free. You, you know, you're still in a, still in a world, but I don't even call this warfare. I know that's kind of a scriptural term, but, uh, the war's already already happened. It's already done. Jesus has already conquered uh, death, hell, and the grave, and all all the demons. He is triumphant over them. Uh, and so, it's not a war that I'm fighting. It's I, I'm participating in watching God do what He said He would do through us. Uh, I'm thinking about writing a book you, you can write it if you want to but <laughs> it's uh it's who died and left you in charge well jesus did he said the things that i do you should do greater so uh, good he said you do it so we have authority as it has to do with people people who come willingly to us yes uh, and you can't you can't just drive down the street and do shotgun uh, deliverances. Uh, if people don't want to be free, God will always honor their will. Uh, demons will see to it that their will is honored. Mm. But when they want to be free, and they want Jesus to be Lord of their life, it's not even complicated. So good. I pray this. I pray this prayer every night, Isaiah. It's something God has shown me over the years, and it's it's how to stay free. It's so simple. I lift my hand in the darkness every night in my bed. Just me. Used to be my wife and my, my two bulldogs, and <laughs> but now it's just me. And I lift, but I lift my hand in the darkness, not for anyone to see. And I claim a truth. Jesus, the Bible says, if you confess your sin, mm. I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you so from good. all unrighteousness. I'm reading that one day and I said, there's not a word in there about repentance. There's not anything about there if you turn around, if you do good, if you do this, if you confess it. I call it admit it and quit it. Come on. Uh, stop it and drop it. You know, you just uh, when in doubt, cast them out. Come on. But, but the thing is, that's so simple. So I reflect on the day every night with my hand in the air. Um. I did it, God. I I called a guy an idiot at a stop sign, you know, mm. wh whatever it was, but I did it. I admit it. But I receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing from all unrighteousness. And now because I'm clean, I bind any demon power that got access to my life through that permission. Wow. You go right now. Well, that's 15 seconds. Wow. <laughs> but it, it's scripture. It's solid scripture. If you confess your sin, 
I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, when you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, there can't there there are no demons there, uh, and demons don't go just because you confess something. The Bible says, "Cast them out." So that's the second part of that prayer is, now that I'm clean, I command any demon power present. I don't need your name. I got your permission. Come on. And it's canceled. So, so good. Is it, but it's so simple. And you, you don't hear these things mm -mm. in the church from the pulpit. And I would see, uh, I, I don't know how much time we've got, but I would see these things in the prisons. Uh, I never went to a prison for a paycheck. They, they don't care whether you come or not. Yeah. You, you never get anything from going. It was all out good. But I began to see things happen in prisons, in prison churches that weren't happening in the outside church. Yes. I'd see people healed and I'd see people delivered. And I'd come back to my church, whatever it might have been, and say, it's not going to happen here. Mm. Not not designed to happen. Nobody wants it to happen. Wow. Uh, and I'd look around, and it didn't matter where what church it was. It just you would just get the feeling it's it's not designed for that to happen. It's designed for us to spend an hour or whatever it is, yep. sing some songs. Uh, hear a message, go home, and do the same thing again next week. Yep. But I was seeing people healed. I've seen people uh, delivered. Uh, and th this is this is in our second book. I don't think it happened when I wrote the first book. But I was preaching in a federal prison down in the Three Rivers, Three Rivers Texas. And uh, i never forget this, but in the federal prisons, the officers wear white shirts, gray pants, maroon ties. All, all officers look alike. So while I'm preaching in this chapel service, there's an officer seated with the inmates worshiping God. Very unusual. There'd be an officer on duty, but not, you know, work with the end service was over he pointed to the officer on duty he said i'll walk him to his car i want to talk to him so we're walking across the prison grounds got outside the gates in the parking lot we talked a little bit and he told me he lived in beeville which was across interstate 37 and i was staying in corpus christi uh, and had to go back to Interstate 37. So we had prayer. I left. And I stopped at this little uh, convenience store right before I got on Interstate 37 and uh, bought, you know, Fritos and a Dr. Pepper or something. Here you go. Uh, my wife's in the motel room. <laughs> but while I'm sitting in the, in the car before I got out, this officer comes running up to the car. And he's like, let your window down. You, know? you don't roll them down anymore. You just yeah. let them down. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's, he made this motion. I did. 
And he said, I would have followed you all the way to Corpus Christi to tell you what God showed me tonight. He said, while you were preaching, I saw this big black pot and you were standing in it. And he said, around your feet, there was oil just bubbling. So not boiling, just bubbling around your feet. And he said, all around this pot, as far as you could see, were sick people. And uh, the stench from their uh, sickness was nauseating as it went up into the heavens. And he said that oil began to bubble up and it covered you. And as it ran down your arms and touched the people, they were healed. He said, get ready, brother. God's fixing to pour it out on you. I'm, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> wow. This is you before know? you started doing deliverance and healing and all that. Yeah, this was wow. this was the was the beginning of it, wow. and uh, I I remember driving back to Corpus and thinking about it. Uh, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, I know how to get people saved. I know how to do altar calls, pray for salvation. I know how to do courtesy prayers in the hospital, mm. but I don't know how to get people healed. And as I prayed about it, I couldn't keep tears out of my eyes, but mm. it was like, you just keep preaching. That's you just keep preaching. And as I did, I say, uh, I started getting letters from inmates where I had been and say, I know you don't know this, but while you were preaching, heat just came all over me. And I used to have this, but I don't have it anymore. Wow. That still almost brings tears to my eyes. It's, Come on. I have, no, I have nothing to do with it. I mean, it's if I could, I would, but um, I, just, I just kept doing that. And, and I got a little bit more bolder as I would see things happen. And I began to see things in the services before they would happen. And I, I didn't know how to process all of that. Mm. Uh, I walk into a, 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 a gymnasium with chairs just being set up and I would see a particular chair and it was like the Holy Spirit would say, I'm going to heal somebody that's sitting right there in that chair. Well, I was in this prison in Amarillo and the inmates were sitting at chairs and uh, there was, and this happened to me. And I told the guy that was kind of supervising that. I said, you see that chair right back there? Uh, he, I pointed it out. I said, whoever's sitting in that chair t t this morning is going to be healed. Wow. And he's like, oh, really? Okay. You know, <laughs> well, uh, ultra call time came and uh, I just pointed back toward that chair. I said, uh, God's about to heal you. And uh, what? That's, that's not the way I was made, you know. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this guy jumped up and he said, it's gone. Wow. It's gone. He had a gorder on his neck that everybody knew about. It disappeared. Wow. And the chapel's just roaring, you know, hallelujahs. And, well, I began to see things like that happen. That's encouraging, mm. but it's also humbling so good 
Uh, uh, what, what did your friends that were pastors that were in that Baptist, all that, <laughs> that didn't cast their demons, what was the response when now here you go from evangelizing, seeing people get saved, now you start casting out demons? You know, a lot of people in the chat that get radically saved or they start casting out demons, the, the, the devil doesn't even persecute them as much as their pastor, right? It's like the pastor yeah. <laughs> always shutting them down, telling them, no, we don't need to do that. It's not necessary. Yeah. Deliverance is not for Christians, which is the number one thing. We, we have to constantly debunk that and keep telling them, no, that's not right. true. What was their response to that? And what was the people around you when you started getting into this? You, you know, you, you would think it was different from what it actually was. Nobody ever really challenged me. It was wow. like... Uh, it was well. I know what it was. It, it was God's anointing, but mm. it was like, uh, okay, this this is real. We we see it's real, um, and we know you personally. You know, it's. I never really had any kickback from mm. that. Uh, That's awesome. Prob probably there were some pastors that may have invited me to preach that didn't. But, yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but. I, I would never talk about something like that from the pulpit if a pastor didn't want me to. Yeah, absolutely. But we get we get a lot of invitations, and that's the condition is we want you to talk about this. We, we want we want our people informed, uh, free, and we we get a lot of invitations to go to churches to do that. Uh, but you can't go everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. And, now, how many deliverances have you, would you say, estimate you've done in the last 25 years? Oh, my goodness. Um, including corporate deliverances, probably 25,000. Wow. Incredible. Uh, it, well, it is. And it's uh, sometimes when I think about it, it's it's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, it's mm. like, oh, you did. You did. Uh, but it's the it's God's grace and His His hand on my life that I know. Thank you, Lord. And it it just makes you it just makes you thankful. Um, yeah, I, I'm like God. Thank you for letting me participate in this. Incredible. Thank want, you for letting want, me be part of it. So amazing. I wanted to ask you one more thing, man. I'm just everyone, you know, we definitely I'm going to ask you here live. There's about 4,300 people watching. I definitely want to have you back on in the future because you are just I can listen to these. The stories, the teaching um, is just so incredible. One thing I wanted to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, I have a lot of people I know that will do deliverance sessions, right? And they'll do these five minute sessions, 10 minute sessions. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't think that you even did the deliverance, right? I think a lot of people say they do deliverance when they just make someone manifest, but there's no real deliverance. Would you take us through what does a session look like for you on average? How long does it take? I know when we do one-on-one -on -one sessions, you know, sometimes it's an hour, two hours sometimes. And I think there's a movement of people say, well, Jesus did it fast. And I tell people, well, you're not Jesus. It doesn't just go fast like that all the time. So maybe if you would take us through the process you do of like when you start a deliverance, what does it look like? What do you start with? And then kind of just how that process goes for you. Well, uh, I, I appreciate that question because we, we get it a lot too, is why can't you just yeah. make them leave like yeah. Jesus did? Uh, there's, there's, always a, there's always a permission. Mm. And until that permission is broken, Jesus didn't cast them out. Uh, wow. As, ma as a matter of fact, he, he asked sometimes the people, 
they brought they brought this a man brought this little boy and said my little boy's is you know he's falling in the fire and he's throwing himself and uh, we took him to your disciples and they couldn't cast him out and Jesus said if you can believe I can do it and he said Lord I believe help my unbelief but people say well if you prayed and fasted you could if you prayed and fasted before every deliverance, you'd be dead. There you go. Exactly. You would. You can't. So I, th- I think what, what that scripture is talking about is a lifestyle mm. that God can bless. And uh, it has really nothing to do with you not eating a sandwich or, you know, it has to do with the lifestyle he can bless. And so, but Jesus asked, many questions to people that came to him. He said, how long has he been like this? Mm. He said, since he was a a child, the disciples understood that the the man that was born blind, they asked a silly question, uh, but they were curious. Was this generational? Did that happen because of his uh, parents or was it because of his sin? Uh, they understood that there's there's a difference. And so what we do, I, I call like a pre-deliverance questionnaire. Okay. People who go, who go to our website, they fill out a form that some said, well, that's that's too too many questions. No, it's it's information we're looking for is uh, Anyway, it's it's a pre, pre-deliverance information. So when they get here, we have also sent them videos, uh, ask them to read certain things, actually ask them to read this book. But by the time they get to our office, they already know pretty much what's going to happen. Yeah. So, and that's so important. So... In, in a typical session, a person would sit across from me. Uh, first thing I'm going to do is make sure they're comfortable, that they're not too nervous and That's good. hyper. And, but just talk to them a minute. And then I explain that, like I, I said earlier, all demons have names. And that's what we're going to do is try to find out who's doing this damage, not is it a spirit. You know, one of the things that's going on today, uh, and I want this to fit in with this, is you hear people say, well, this church has a Leviathan spirit. Mm. There's no such thing. Mm. A Leviathan is a form of demon. It's not the name of a demon. Wow. It's like a serpent, an octopus, a squid. Uh, And by the way, we find that people that have diabetes, always squid spirits mm. always squid spirits I, I don't know how to connect all that but i know it to be true so people go around saying well that you know that person has a jezebel spirit well first of all you don't know the gift of discernment is not for you to know about other people come on it's for you to know truth for yourself mm. uh and the word of God is a discernment of spirits. Uh, it either fits the word or it doesn't. But uh, 
Anyway, the Leviathan is not the name of a demon. The, the Python spirit. People have written books about the Python spirit. It's just a type of demon. Wow. Some are python, some are cobras, some are there all kinds of stuff. Uh, but at any rate, the, the, the length of the deliverance is basically making them understand what what the approach is. We're gonna find out how the demon got in your life, what was the permission. And by the way, there's very seldom just one. Uh, they're like cockroaches, you know. There's yeah. So we explain that to the people very simply and without drama. I never raise my voice. This is mm. the tone of my voice the I whole time. It. But it's it's all a truth encounter. So explain that to them. You just pass on to me what you hear in your spirit. And we're buying demons. It's a I call it a permission breaking prayer. We pray that prayer together. Uh, we can pray it right now, people that are watching. But it's uh, it's this it's this simple prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you for Jesus. He is my Savior. Uh, I'm so glad to be born again. I qualify for freedom. And I receive it by faith today. And because you've forgiven me, I choose to forgive others. Everyone who's hurt me, lied to me, or disappointed me, I choose to forgive them. I repent of anger and bitterness and hatred and uh, rebellion, resentment, revenge, envy, jealousy, and strife, lust, witchcraft, and idolatry. I confess all that. I denounce the sins of my ancestors. I separate myself and cut myself off from all generational curse. I renounce all unholy oaths and vows pledges and ceremonies and remove myself from those curses. I denounce and confess as sin all unholy soul ties. For Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. I choose to be free and I will be free in the name of Jesus. Mm. That's the permission breaking prayer. Wow. They they pray that God hears it, demons hear it. Uh it, it's sufficient. So well, shouldn't you go back and go through all the denunciation of uh, Freemasonry and the riots? And, you just said it. God honors it. And we, at that point, after the person's prayed that prayer, before we start the prayer, many times they begin to manifest. Well, I feel... There's people in the chat heart. manifesting right now. A lot of people in the chat <laughs> say, my chest is tightening. I'm getting heart pounding, exactly. sweating. Yep. Yeah, well, it's this, the, the demons are fearful of the name of Jesus. Yes. They tremble in his name. When their permission is broken and they're commanded to go. And I'll, I'll just do that now. Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. every demon power associated with everyone listening to my voice right now, every demon power. You're under the authority of the living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. You will not only come out, you'll not come back. You'll not send others to replace you. You'll put everything back in order. And healing will come because of the stripes, the blood from the stripes on Jesus' back. 
that very blood will bring healing. Every demon power, pick up your works, the residue of your works, and you come out right now and go into the abyss. That's the command of Jesus Christ. That's pretty much what we do. And many times uh, we'll see the same thing as you're, you're talking about is, well, my chest is starting to hurt mm-hmm. or I'm getting a headache or uh, it's just nervous demons. Mm. But they're just, they're just spirits. I always like to, to say that to people. They're just spirits. Mm. We're the ones Jesus died for. We're the one who's, I'm, I, I tell demons sometimes, look, I'm going to heaven. You're going to hell. Come on. And do you know? And I ask this many times. As I had, had a guy going through deliverance once, not that long ago. And he's sitting across from me right before we got to that prayer. He looked at me and he said, I'm going to kill you. Wow. Well, I knew it was not him talking. I said, are you talking to me or to him? <laughs> he said, I'm talking to you. Somebody's going to die today and it's going to be you. Well, the Holy Spirit just rose up in me. Mm. I said, do you know who I am? Come on. I'm a child of God. I'm washed in the blood. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador and you're threatening me. I said, I command you to apologize for that. Come on. Yes. <laughs> the, guy's, the guy's voice kind of changed. said, I'm sorry. <laughs> There, well, I know that demon's name, and I've encountered him many times. He's an intimidator, mm. and that's what he does to people. You're going to die today. It's, this is going to happen. Something's going to happen bad today. Well, when I encounter him now, and I often do, I always say, anything you want to say today? Wow. No, let's get it over with. Come on. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, yeah, well, that's the truth, and we are somebody in Christ, and it's not it's not a boast to tell a demon, a spirit, look, I know who I am. Yeah. I want to make sure you know who I am. I represent the living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So if anybody's going to move, it's going to be you. Come on. Uh, well, that's, that's just who we are. Every believer can say, do you know who I am? I'm blood-bought, purchased, redeemed, belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're threatening me? Uh-uh. So good. <laughs> so good. I love it. Don, tonight has been absolutely incredible. We honor you. I'm going to let you know, you know, before you go to be with the Lord, that we are taking the message, this this mantle, this anointing that you've preached for 25 years, and this next generation is running with it. There's so many in the chat that are, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, 20 years old, 25 that are doing deliverance, that are casting out demons. And so I want you to know all the labor you've done, all the work you've done, all the plowing that you've done, it's not been in vain. I know you're not as on, you know, as much on social media and maybe seen what's going on on social media, but there is a mighty army rising up. There's a mighty remnant rising up that are going yeah. out, casting out demons, laying, laying hands on the sick, and it's just a mighty move of God. And tonight has just been 
incredible your time is valuable i appreciate you i'm you know i have a lot of my friends in the chat that are all ministers and preachers that are so encouraged tonight if there's anything you ever need you know you have my cell phone number um <laughs> we definitely want to have you on again and i want to make sure that we post your website as well is, is your website let me see i think i might have it here i just want to make sure everybody gets it um before before your website is liberatedliving.info so guys if you want to uh, check out is that the right liberating uh liberated living well yes but the the, the best way to get to our website is just dondickerman.com Okay, dondickerman.com, and I have his screen, his name on the screen, guys. Don, before I let you go, I want to honor your time. I know it's been about an hour and 20 minutes here. I definitely would love to have you on again in the future. And again, however we could help, whatever resource we could be, we so honor you and value you. We want to sow into you as well. I know, you know, some one of my minister friends just sowed in a large offering I'm going to be sending you as well because we just want to honor what God has done in your life and what God is doing. Is there any finishing thoughts or closing statements you wanted to make? I know you've prayed over everybody already. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say? I just want to say thank you, Isaiah. I, I'm so thankful that God uh, has touched your life. And uh, you look like you might have been a police officer at one time. I, I, that was that was the goal <laughs> no. before I got saved. Yep, I was I was going through the yeah. hiring process to be a police officer when I got saved. Uh, I'm, I'm just teasing. Now but, I'm a uh, kingdom officer, <laughs> kingdom enforcer. Right. Yes. Awesome. Well, bless you, brother. Thank, Thank you, you so thank much, Don, for being on. I hope you would be on again in the future. We'll definitely stay in touch. I'm going to be sending you a love offering through your website. I just honor you. I value you. And I just want to say, man, we really do appreciate all the work that you've done for the kingdom. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. God bless. Wow. Incredible time, guys. Incredible ministry time. What a powerful, powerful powerful broadcast i know i have a lot of friends in the chat a lot of pastors in the chat and guys i'm telling you daniel adams thank you bro daniel adams just sold a thousand dollars in i'm gonna send that directly to don dickerman i want to challenge you guys listen erica thank you just sold 250 dollars. i'm gonna be sending that to don dickerman as well guys someone in the chat and i get emotional when i talk about it but Someone in the chat said, this is a Derek Prince that's with us right now in our time. And it really, truly is. One major issue we have in the body of Christ is we celebrate ministers and preachers. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.